A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. <laughs> Did you like those chips? I had some chips and some leftover guacamole. I was desperate. Yeah. So, I mean, it was good. It was a happy little snack. It was nice. I'm I actually satisfied. had snacks at my house for once. Right. So, I was happy. Because I was sort of like, I'm going to go to Rachel's. There's going to be like some bullshit juices she'll <laughs> offer me or something. Sometimes I just want a snack. I get it. I always want a snack. Well, yeah. And I get not having snacks because that's just, a recipe for disaster. I overeat. I yeah. overeat. Okay. So let's start off the show by thanking our lovely Patreons for this week. Patrons who donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. And this week we had Nicole, Clay, Faith, E, Beth, Ted, Rachel, Lynn, Leah, Code Red, Crystal, and Kristen. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Any Any news before we start? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, Desi, I'm going to be talking about two different cases this week because both of them were a little too short to be one episode, but both are pretty interesting. And they both take place in the 30s, and they both involve the insanity defense. Okay. So they do kind of go together. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they both definitely involve some rash decisions Ooh, made okay. by people, shall we say. <laughs> now, this first case is known as the White Flame Murder. And you said you hadn't heard of this before. I think I've heard of it, but I don't really know the details. Okay. Because <clears throat> it's in L.A. It happened in L.A. And I yes. think I, I must have seen it when I was like, gathering cases that we could do right uh, i think i think there was like something i saw one time where it was like a location map of every famous crime in la and it was, it was on, on that. that list yeah so i think that's what i know it from but this, i don't know anything about it yeah this happened in glendale in los angeles in the early morning hours of november 9th 1937 shots rang out in a glendale neighborhood paul wright a 38 year old aviation executive phoned the police this is what he said Get this straight. My name is P.A. Wright, and I live at 1830 Verdugo Vista Drive. Send officers. I've just killed my wife. Get this straight. What an asshole already, right? (laughs) The poor lady. Did I stutter? I murdered my fucking wife. (laughs) I like that he said this is P.A. Wright. She's like, sir, what's your first name? Yeah. We don't need your fucking nickname initials, dude. (laughs) Esquire. (laughs) When officers arrived on the scene, they found Paul Wright running out to the driveway. Like, he could not get to the cops fast enough. Okay. Testimony from responding officer Harry Reid. He said that Paul shouted, My God, I'm a murderer. I've killed my wife and best friend. According to Paul, he was in bed sleeping when he awoke to a single note being played on the piano again and again. He went to the living room where he saw his wife Evelyn and his best friend John Kimmel fucking on the piano bench. Was her ass on like an F key? 
every time he pounded in, it hit that one key. Sorry. I mean, like, it, what is, was, it is pretty comedic that you're like, why is someone just playing one note over and over again? And then you go in there and you see your wife being like bent over and soft rolled. <laughs> I don't even know that. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's like one of those spontaneous street bands where you're like banging on trash cans and like right. you know something you make something that turns into a xylophone right but it's like the moaning and the piano yeah it's all this like it's like caffeine yeah it's like creative, symphonic creative percussion yeah. what was that that broadway show stomp stomp dude i saw stomp you did i was furious I did not want to go see Stomp. And my mom was like, we're going to see Stomp. Yeah, I would be mad. I don't know if it was my mom that took me or a friend's mom that took me, but I didn't want to see Stomp. And I was bored out of my mind watching it. I lived in New York when that came out and it was like a sensation. Dude, it was everywhere in the mid 90s. And I remember even then I was like, no, no, thanks. Do you know what I, you know what my mom took me to that I did like was bring in DeNoise, bring in DeFunk. But that's more of a show. That was entertaining. That was with Savion Glover, right? Was that the one? The other one I saw that was like Stomp's little stepchild in the mid '90s was Tap Dogs. Oh, I remember. Do you remember that. Tap yeah, Dogs? I didn't see it. <laughs> I fucking saw Tap Dogs. Okay. <laughs> there was a little tap thing going on in the well, '90s. Well, yeah. yeah, and then there was like the River Dance, obviously. Well, that's which no, no, which I did not see. <laughs> Look, I'm white. <laughs> I'm white, but I'm not go to see River Dance white. No. Okay. So, okay, so she he sees her getting banged on the piano and. Paul, in what he would describe as a white-hot flame of jealousy, shot and killed them both. He had been just blinded by rage, and he fucking shot them while they're going at it on the piano bench. When police entered the Wright home, they found Paul's wife, Evelyn, and his best friend, John Kimmel, lying lying on the floor, covered in blood, their bodies riddled with gunshot wounds. Was he still inside of her? (laughs) He had actually slipped out of her at that point, and I only know this because I saw a picture of the crime scene. It was plastered on the front page of the LA Times. Were they naked? Or, no, so he they was, were in... he just might just I guess he just whipped his dick out because it was like a picture of this guy's body. It was like a close up of his face and torso, just like ugh, like dead. Okay. So he just lifted up her bustle and was like pounding her. Right. Bustle. It's, I don't know. It's not it's not <laughs> It's not 1837. It's 1937. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. So this is a quote from Officer Robert Trowbridge, who was also on the scene. Mrs. Wright was lying on her right side with her head near the piano pedals and her body under the bench. I took her pulse. It was very slight. Kimmel was lying on his back. His right leg was under the piano bench and partially over her body. His left foot rested on the base of the keyboard. His body was twitching terribly, and he was groaning terribly as he was in great pain. He coughed frequently, and blood gushed from his mouth. Judge that would try this case, or I mean that would preside over this case, asked the other officer at the scene, Officer Reed, what did Paul Wright say to you at that time when they first got there? And according to Reed, Paul Wright said, get that moaning bleep out of here. I can't stand it. (laughs) Now, I could not find what the expletive was that he called him, but it did say in this paper I read bleep. It was like a big it was a dash. It was like a long line, like an underline. It was like, get that moaning redacted out of here. I'm going to go with cocksucker. (laughs) 
Leona Navy, the housekeeper who worked for the Wrights, entered the room next, and Paul looked at her and said, Leona, I've shot Evelyn. I caught her cheating. Paul was allowed to phone his father. Officer Reed said Paul said this to him. Hello, father. There's been a terrible tragedy in my home. I've shot Evelyn. I caught her cheating. It's just like I told you it would be. You will stick by me, won't you? Hello, father. <laughs> well, this guy has the most formal speech pattern I've ever heard. Get like, this right. Hello, father. It is I, your son. <laughs> yes, I have murdered my wife. <laughs> then Paul was booked into Glendale City Jail. Celebrity lawyer Jerry Giesler took the case. Jerry was known for getting his clients out of the stickiest situations. Get me Giesler, they would say. Like, that was like his catchphrase. Is like That's on his billboard. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Like, that was his slogan. Get me Giesler. Oh, boy. You know? Giesler rose to prominence as the defense attorney who defended Alexander Pantages in his rape trial. Oh. Throughout his career, he represented several big stars and infamous personalities, including Charlie Chaplin, Errol Flynn, Marilyn Monroe, and Bugsy Siegel. Oh, and he also defended Walburga Ice Strike. <laughs> So he's taken on a lot of important clients. He gets clients. all the big cases. He gets the best clients. Right. Jerry Giesler went with the insanity defense, claiming that his client, Paul Wright, was so distraught upon seeing his wife and best friend fucking that he couldn't help but just start blindly shooting at them. But the evidence showed otherwise. Most of the bullets had ended up hitting Evelyn and John. So it wasn't like he was just erratically firing everywhere. These right. were like... This was like execution style. I mean, they right. it was, also he had a gun like, well, yeah. And that was the other thing. How did he get this fucking gun in his hand if it was so spontaneous? Like you would think he'd beat them with his bare hands if it was in a fit of rage. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, or throw something at right. them that was nearby. Excuse me while I grab this vase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to whack you with the sheet music. Hello. Hello, fine sirs. <laughs> How's this for the entertainer? <laughs> so... Uh, Paul Wright also claimed that he was 20 feet away from the couple, but detectives discovered that the shots were actually fi fired while the shooter was standing directly over them. There was also the fact that Paul and Evelyn had been having marital, marital problems for months, as evident by the letter that Mrs. Wright had sent to her mother before the shooting had occurred, like well before, like we're having problems. Right. In fact, in 1936, a year before the shooting, Paul and Evelyn Wright separated. They did get back together a couple months later. Paul claimed that he had been asleep before he awoke to the sound of Evelyn and John having sex, but detectives found his bed had been made and undisturbed. Mm. And they also discovered a chair that was sitting in front of a mirror in their bedroom, and they could see the piano from the chair facing oh. the mirror so they were like we think he was fucking stewing watching them fuck jerking off probably <laughs> in the mirror in the mirror he's starting with the man in the mirror oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so paul was like shimon i gotta get over there and murder them yeah all right at the trial Jerry Giesler stated that Paul Wright's service in World War I, combined with previously having tuberculosis as well as a vasectomy, contributed to his weakened mental state. I mean, this is such a 1930s defense. Right. Like, 
I mean, I like the shell shock thing. That makes sense. Of course. But that the, is PTSD. Right. Yeah. But the vasectomy and the, tu- Come on. and then the tuberculosis, that's just like really 1930s. But like the vasectomy is such a like dated way of thinking like, oh, it emasculated yes. him. Yeah. 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 You know? Well, if anything, if that was true, you'd think he'd be less violent, <laughs> right? Right, right. There goes your theory out right. the window. Hello, Giesler. Hire me. <laughs> Paul Wright took the stand and testified about his time in the war, his shell shock after the war, his friendship with John Kimmel, and what went down that night. He said that after returning home with John Kimmel from the nightclub that they were at, the two men and Paul's wife, Evelyn, sat by the fireplace and talked, and they had a drink. After about an hour, Paul said that he went to bed, leaving John and Evelyn by the fireplace. According to Paul, when the sound of the piano woke him up, he went to the living room to check it out. He said this, Johnny was sitting at the piano. I could see the upper part of his face and head. He was looking downward. I, I could not see Evelyn, and I wondered where she was. <laughs> <laughs> then I turned, and I saw that Evelyn was on the piano bench with John. She came to a sitting position and put her arm around his shoulder and he put his arms around her and they kissed her. Then everything inside of me exploded. The next thing I knew, I was standing there with a gun in my hand and he was on the floor and there was blood and he was moaning. Hmm. Paul testified that he did not knowingly fire the gun. He also said that he had no knowledge of how he even got the gun in his hand. I mean, I would imagine he would have to go fish the gun out from right. some cupboard or some box somewhere. It's usually not just kept on the coffee table. And it wasn't because he also testified that he wasn't like a shooter. Like he bought the gun when he was living in Florida for protection. Right. And then he never used it really. Right. So uh, Giesler said this. When Wright strolled sleepily into his living room at four o'clock that morning, there was absolutely no reason for him to criminally and brutally kill. What he saw there on the piano bench, which he will detail to you from his witness stand, that married man still there at four o'clock in the morning beside his beloved wife, that horrible situation was such an emotional shock that it had rendered this defendant as unconscious as though he had been hit atop of the head with a tremendous mallet. During the trial, the widow of John Kimmel testified, quote, something strange happened that caused her husband to change his plans on the night of the murder. She said that her husband had no intentions of going to the Wright house. She said that Paul Wright wanted John Kimmel to come to the house to assure his wife that he wasn't up to no good, that he had been having problems with Evelyn. According to the bartender named Dick Welch, Paul and John were drinking at the It Club Cafe, which is actually was Clara Bow's bar in Hollywood. He said that he heard Paul say he needed someone to come home with him to assure his wife that he was just out with the boys and everything was fine. Like he wasn't sleeping around or anything. So the widow gets on the widow of John Kimmel gets on the stand and she's like, Paul lured my husband to the house. Right. I mean, it seems that way. You know? Yeah. The prosecution said Johnny Kimmel had no intention of going home with Wright. He went to his death only because Wright enticed him to his home as a necessary victim for the deliberate execution of his wife he had planned. According to a neighbor, at 4 a.m., she heard a single shot ring out, followed by a pause, followed by six or seven shots fired in quick succession. 
basically implying that this wasn't just a rapid fire immediately that there There was was some thoughts right there was one one shot and then a pause and then okay i'm gonna fucking kill them wait i gotta get my white hat flame back (laughs) (laughs) jerry giesler emphatically stated to the jury that his client was unconscious while committing the double murder and therefore not responsible but the police were like well you seem pretty conscious enough to like tell us all of the details and the exact position they were in when you found them and right you called us and like you had a lot of details he had a lot of details to say paul was found guilty on two counts of manslaughter and faced a maximum of 20 years in san quentin however in a separate hearing that occurred about a week after the verdict he was also found to have been insane at the time of the murders So Paul was sent to a hospital to be evaluated by something that was called the lunacy commission where they would determine if he was insane or not. And they found him sane. So he just went free. (laughs) Jesus. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Like that's a great name for like your rap crew though. The the lunacy commission. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good, that is a good name. I like that. So yeah, he just like skated by that one. Like, I mean, even though he was found guilty of two counts of manslaughter. Right. It's not like he was found insane and then put back in prison. Right. Like the minute he went there, it was like, you're either going to go in, into the whatever treatment or you're going to be free. Right. So, so it's like crazy. So they took him to treatment and then they were like, well, this guy's sane. It's like, well, yeah, well, then why isn't he going to jail? Right. <laughs> right. It was like, it's like a weird loophole or something. It was like a total loophole. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson, 
I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. Now this is the second story. January 1935. 58-year-old Eufala Norwood was found dead in her Los Angeles apartment. She was lying in her kitchen when she was found by her son. She was believed to have died of natural causes at first until the medical examiner found a gunshot wound to the back of her head. I don't know how they missed that. (laughs) That seems like really (laughs) insane. I do not know how they missed that. Well, there had to be a pool of blood under her head, right? I mean... I was like looking through papers. One, every paper said the same thing that at first they thought it was natural causes. But one paper was like, oh, all the blood collected in her sweater and her hair. Okay. But that still seems odd that they were like, let's get this lady who had a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Maybe they thought, oh, she hit her head when she fell. Oh, maybe. I guess. Eufala was 58 years old. She was also the treasurer of the White Memorial Church. A sandwich with a few bites taken out of it was found at the crime scene. Okay. That's why I did this story. <laughs> what kind of sandwich? It was an avocado sandwich. Oh, it's like early avocado toast. <laughs> That's what I thought too, but then I remembered it was the depression. Oh. So there probably was no meat. Okay. And there's lots of avocados in LA. Right. Yeah. Detectives surmised the murder took place at 5.30 p.m. on Friday, January 18th. Detectives arrested her tenant, 46-year-old Issa Lang, on suspicion of murder. Issa had recently been told to vacate Eufaula's home. Issa told detectives that she had gone to Eufaula's home to retrieve some of her things at 3 p.m. on Friday, the day that Eufaula was killed. This is what she said. I came to remove some of my things. The door was ajar, the fire was burning, but Mrs. Norwood was not there. Lang strongly denied killing Mrs. Norwood, stating that she left as soon as she retrieved her belongings. The residents at her new home confirmed that she was home during the time of the murder. But witnesses who were present in the vicinity of the murder said that Issa Lang was near the Norwood house at the time. When you follow Norwood's son went to his mother's house the next day at 10 a.m., which is when he discovered her body, he said that the door was locked, which was odd to him. According to a neighbor of Mrs. Norwood, she heard the shot coming from her apartment at around 5.30 p.m. that day, followed by the sound of a key turning in the lock. How the fuck did she hear that? Yeah, that's weird. How do you hear a key turning in the lock from your house over? No, that seems odd. I mean... Doesn't it? Yeah. But she heard the shot. Then she heard footsteps which she said sounded like they came from a woman wearing heels going down the steps. (laughs) So she has very sharp hearing. Right. I mean, maybe after she heard the um, gunshot, she got one of those old-fashioned ear horns. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. 
Ooh, Ooh, better get my ear horn. (laughs) Put it up to the wall. It's kind of curvy at the base, and then it has like a big. It's really big. Trumpet. It has a big trumpet at the end. Yeah. That sounds like a dork. (laughs) And women's shoes. It's maybe someone who was like a foley artist was there, (laughs) just making all these. (laughs) Clip clop, clip clop, clip clop. The neighbor told detectives that she went and knocked on the door of Eufaula Woodward's house, but no one answered, so she left. Well, Issa Lang ended up confessing to the murder about a week later. She th- she had an airtight alibi, and she just goes to the police. She's like, well, you caught me. Really? Yes. I and never understand people who confess. This will make sense probably way later in the story. Okay. When asked why she killed her former landlady, Issa said... We quarreled over a sandwich. (laughs) Really? Yes. (laughs) Issa told District Attorney Arterberry that on the day of the murder, she went to Mrs. Norwood's house to pick up the rest of her shit while she... (laughs) She didn't say shit. (laughs) Redacted. Redacted. To pick up the rest of her shit while she was there. uh, Oh, and while she was there, she got hungry, so she made a sandwich. At her landlord's house. Yes, but it was with her bread. So she brought bread. No, she used to live there. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. And she was picking up the rest of so her shit. So she had bread she there. She probably had some bread there. And she picked and she was like, I'm going to eat a sandwich. I'm hungry. Okay. Okay. So the landlord came. So Mrs. Norwood saw what she was doing and was not happy about her still hanging around the house because she had been kicked out. And she starts yelling at Issa, calling her a harlot and a bastard. Whoa. And then Mrs. Norwood did the unthinkable. She pushed the sandwich out of Issa's hands. She fucking grabbed the sandwich away from her. Really? Yes. Honestly, I feel like in my lifetime, someone has called me a harlot while I was eating. (laughs) That seems like a very familiar slow and i'm like eating a meatball sub as i want to do (laughs) well that is so bitchy yeah i mean i think the sandwich thing just takes it to a next level and just to think about those sad three bites yeah she had just she never got to finish she just started eating three bites right come on she had just started it so Issa lang said that she was quote insanely angry Mm -hmm. so she ran to a closet got the gun and shot mrs norwood she had a a white fire of (laughs) rain yeah she had an avocado flame i would be more mad about someone hitting my sandwich out of the head than fucking my significant other Because if I was really hungry, right. that would enrage me. Like seeing someone I'm with fuck someone else, I'd be mad. But I'd probably be like, you are so pathetic. Like I would be right. more like, you're pathetic. Like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Look how you're fucking her. This is embarrassing. Right, like, right. I'd mock them. But if, if I'm hungry and someone hits food out of my hand, that is like, I can picture having a snap, a psychotic right. snap in that right. moment and fucking going ape shit on them. Well, Desi and I are not fun people to be around when we're hungry. Oh my God, we've been mean to each other. I was just going to say, like, we've <laughs> said things to each other that we've had to, we're like mid bite of our food when it finally arrives. We're like, I'm sorry, I was a bitch. It's like, oh, no, I now I know I was a bitch to you. Yeah, I'm like, getting my period and I'm hungry. <laughs> Whenever I am that way with you, I'm always like, I must be getting my period or I'm starving. Like, because you're like the one only of the person two. I'm not mean to. Right. Or one of them. <laughs> I agree. No, I agree. I mean, I'm mean to you, like Rachel's camp corner or whatever. Like, that kind of stuff but i'm never really short with you no but i unless it's food related yes yeah 
that's going to make sense later too. Okay. It's going to make sense more in a Desi Rachel irrational way. Mm-hmm. It's going to make more sense in like a more people than just us can relate to that way. I think so. <laughs> later. Okay. So the next day, Issa said she drove to Manhattan Beach and she threw away the murder weapon, which was a pistol belonging to her old landlady, into the ocean. Issa Lang pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Well, she was found guilty and sane and sentenced to life in prison. Do you know what? I happen to be reading something right now about um, how juries are harder on women killers than they are men really? killers. Yes. Like you and shouldn't do that. throughout history, they're often seen as it's even more evil if a woman does something because it's, it's less common. Right. I mean, right. that is true. But it's like, oh, they're wives and mothers and da-da-da-da. They shouldn't be that way. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, right. So I happen to be reading about this right now. I think it's actually re- it was by a, a book by the woman who represented um, Mira Henley, mm-hmm. one of the Moore's killers, who was a woman who killed pe- people, children, basically, with her boyfriend. But she kind of got, like, a harsher reaction than even the guy who did all the same horrible things as her because it was like, a woman shouldn't do this kind of thing. Right. And I'm sure in the 30s, that was in the 30s, right? Yes. That that was even more common. And it's still a thing now, like... Uh, I was reading about another case where the woman was like a uh, stripper before she became like a wife and mother, and then she she's on trial for murder. But it was like, oh, once the jury found out about her past life, they were like, oh, oh. she's an evil, like a, a slutty woman. Right. Like It's just like women are definitely more susceptible to being judged for their character, I think, in these trials. And that's why a lot of times prosecutions will go after that kind of stuff. Right. Very similar to how victims oh, yeah. like, of sexual assault will be portrayed as like a slutty woman right. as if they deserve it. Right. So I feel like it works both ways against women. Yeah, like, absolutely. And not that we... Uh, obviously condone anyone who is actually a murderer but i agree with you that there is a bias in court it's a bias uh for sure but the idea that that guy but the the idea that that guy um who killed his wife would get off completely and she would get um convicted of murder and found sane yeah like it's insane right isa was paroled in 1960 according to her this is what she had to say The first five years I really enjoyed. I had my own little room and a beautiful little cat named Ginger, but the last four years were hell. I became sick. I had to give up my apartment and put my cat to sleep. (gasps) I, yeah, I went to a nursing home where I shared a room with five women who were all senile. So Issa violated her parole on purpose. And in 1969, she went back to prison. Oh my God. She felt. She is a case which is not uncommon where people who have been institutionalized for long periods of time feel more comfortable on the inside. Right. And this is not to say that conditions in prison are great because, as we know, they're not. But at least they're getting some basic things taken care of. Like It's more of, yeah. a, it's more of an indictment of the state of America right. where we don't have health care right. accessible to people if you and don't she have probably money. had trouble getting work. Of course. Yeah. And uh, this was a woman who was very poor in the 1930s. She had suffered greatly during the Great Depression. She mm-hmm. did not have a lot of money. Um, 
and she had made friends on the inside. She made friends yes. on the inside. She had a per- she felt she had a purpose. She had her little prison job that she did. She had her health needs taken care of, and she had her own room. You know, I'm so upset about the cat though. Oh, I'm devastated about Ginger. That sounds cute. You yeah, it's like a little orange. It was tabby. probably an orange tabby. <laughs> yeah, Ginger. That's a, that's a really great name. At the age of 93, when she was up for parole again in 1982, she begged the parole board to let her stay in prison. And at that time, she was the oldest female prison inmate in all of California. Dude, that is fucking old to be in prison. Yeah. Shit. And she also uh, was in a wheelchair at that point, too. And she did not want to leave because she would not have had health care. Well, she, she probably left. wouldn't even have anyone to help her. No. Yeah. No, she she even said that in this interview I read. She wouldn't have had anyone to help her. She did not want to live in a convalescent home because she described the conditions there were terrible. And having nicer room and board would have cost her money that she did not have. Right. So she felt taken care of, like way more taken care of in prison than she did on the outside. This is a quote from Issa. I was so lonely for all my friends back in prison, and I knew if I went back, I could have a room of my own. Sometime in the 1950s, while she was in prison, Issa told a social worker her story, and she said this, I was a single woman on relief in the Big Depression. I was one of the, I was one of the honest ones. I really lived on my budget allowance. But what I could buy to eat for that amount of money was so bad that it did something to my mind. The only way I could have something to love was my, to have a cat, because a cat can scrounge for its own food. But the cat came to mean too much to me. Another woman loved it too, and I killed her. Oh, oh my God. The, the, the landlady. So right. I guess it was more than a sandwich. It was a cat too. She had to leave behind her cat. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, continuing a quote from Issa. I wanted to just plead guilty, but they wouldn't let me. Not to, f- uh, not to first-degree murder. They insisted on spending $10,000 for a trial, and now they have supported me for all of these years. But if they had just given me a tiny fraction of that much to begin with, I could have eaten properly, the woman would still be alive, I would be free, and the taxpayers would be a long way ahead. It, that all happened in the 30s, but it's obviously still so relevant today yes, in this country. Definitely. Where, I mean, I literally... You put people in desperate situations and they do things. I mean, it's like I heard a story recently about a teacher who took a student and put a lied on the insurance form to get them health care. And she's being... She was arrested for insurance fraud. Right. But it was like... Really? Like, that's what we're going to go after? Right. That, the, like, I get are, it's against the law, but do we have to jail her? Like, can we figure out another way? Like, can, it's just crazy. Or can we look at this as a gross way that this country is run, that right. a teacher should not have to do that yeah. to just get basic health care? Right. I mean, and that's the reality. It's like, yeah, I don't condone, like I said before, I don't condone murder, but I completely see where she was coming from. She was probably really fucking hungry. She probably was on her last nerve. She had been kicked out of her home yeah. for whatever reason. Right. She didn't have any money. She had just she had said that like, yeah, the government was giving me basically no money. Right. And she was also disabled too. She was uh partially deaf. Oh. On top of it. Oh so it wasn't easy for her to get work. Yeah. So she was just being thrown under the bus in during the Great Depression. Yeah. 
I'm probably just on her last nerve. Right. And she's trying to eat lunch. Like she had, you know, I read another interview. She's like, it was my own damn food too. Like it wasn't right. even her bread. It wasn't her food. It was my food. I was eating it in the kitchen as I was getting my <laughs> shit. She knocks the, the sandwich out of my hands. No. I mean, you're hungry when you're packing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, and this lady was probably really hungry. Like, she Seriously? probably didn't know where her next meal was going to come from. Right. So it is really sad. Um, I did she die in prison? She did not die in prison. They actually ended up uh, releasing her because they're like, we can't ha- hold you anymore. Like, yeah. you're t- you've are you been in here long enough. And, and she's like, just let me die here. I don't want to die alone. Ugh. I don't want to die suffering because I'm in a wheelchair and I'm old and like... Uh, yeah. So she did end up having an okay last year of her life because she was able to find a place to live in Brea. Okay. Um, where she did have a room of her own and she lived with someone else. So that was, that is like, there is like at least a happy ending to that story right. is that she did actually end up having a room of her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the story of Issa Lang. Aww. Yeah. I stumbled upon that story by accident as I was researching this other case and I was like, all I saw was like someone murdered someone over a sandwich. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta read this. <laughs> and when I saw how short it was, I was like, well, fuck. Like, right. I gotta tell this story to our listeners because it's so on brand. Yeah. But then when I read it, I was like, oh, wow. This is like, it's actually sad. <laughs> it's actually really sad and it's actually really uh, relevant. Yes. To where we are now. Definitely. And, um, you know, something to think about, listeners. <laughs> something to think about um yeah what else was i gonna say oh so uh i just want to talk about the pizza i had last night okay it was really good and i i I don't know why i just wanted to bring up the pizza because i've been thinking about it all day it looked really good you posted an instagram story about it and i got furious i know because i don't like when rachel eats without me especially because i'm on a diet and she's supposedly on a diet i i am (laughs) but that's why we went to the gym yesterday but here's my like I'm like not a football person at all like and I'm not even like oh I gotta watch the Super Bowl commercials the only reason I ever the only way I participate in Super Bowl Sunday is so it's an excuse to binge eat right because that's like I did want wings really bad yesterday it makes me crave like wings and and nachos nachos and like I was fucking starving by the time we ordered that pizza and it was so good. And it I was really good. And I was really worried it would be cold when it got there because it was raining out and oh, like, right. and I knew that they would take a while because it was Super Bowl Sunday, right. but it was hot and mm. delicious. It was pepperoni and mushrooms. I love pepperoni is so good. Even though it's like basic, there's something no, about pepperoni pizza. That's like the best pizza. A good cheese pizza I'm into. Right. But I'm always like going to stand for pepperoni. I will too. I love pepperoni. <laughs> so good. You know what I don't like on pizza? What? Beef. Beef? What the I fuck? Have, I, had a, I have seen people order beef on pizza. What kind of beef? Like hamburger? Yeah, like ground beef. Oh. <laughs> I don't Ew. like They have it at Domino's. Well, I don't go to Domino's. No, I don't either, but I'm saying beef? that they have it. That is disgusting. I'm I've just seen saying. meatball, which I will go. I will eat a meatball. I would probably never order it, but I feel like that sounds good. But beef, like ground beef? There are certain thing, meats on pizza. Like The other thing I don't agree with on pizza is chicken. 
even though that's like not abnormal oh like the barbecue chicken pizza well i I kind of like that that's different but like a regular pizza just like regular pizza with chicken i don't want that the only way i could see eating that it is if it was like chicken parm (laughs) like yeah that's chicken parm (laughs) desi you just invented a new pizza Or like eggplant parm pizza? I've had eggplant parm what? pizza. What? Where? Uh, Casa Bianca in my neighborhood. Oh my God. It's really good and no one will ever order it with me, but it's like fried chunks of like bread and eggplant. I'll order it with you. <laughs> Doesn't that sound so good? Remember one time we, did we let's, try to go there one no, time? No, but let's take my mom when she visits in a couple weeks. Okay. My mom's coming to town oh, soon. Oh, cool. Oh my God. Oh, oh yeah, to go you have to, to meet my mom. Yeah, we're going go to Because you didn't dinner. come because you were canceled. <laughs> <laughs> that, I got canceled because I didn't go. Because <laughs> I wasn't canceled before. We have to all because okay, we'll have a dinner. We'll have some. We'll go to some place okay. when yeah. my mom is here in town. That's really exciting. Um, what else? I feel like there was some other news. Um, thanks everyone for your on the page for everyone's really sweet words uh, to Brendan. Oh yeah, I read all of them to him, and he was so happy. Yeah. If you want to join our Facebook group yeah it's on facebook hollywood crime scene friends uh you can follow us on social media as well and you can also leave us uh five star reviews we're almost at a thousand so we would love to get to a thousand but only leave five star reviews Mm -hmm. don't leave four star we need to find someone else to give the black dahlia book to because uh we never got an email from whoever wrote the lovely review well let's do another contest then so if you want to leave a written review We'll judge them in the next few weeks and give you a book and yeah. we'll sign something for you or whatever you want. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to win a book, leave a written review uh, and we'll pick our favorite. So in the next few weeks and we'll send you a book. It's a really good book about the Black Dahlia murder called Severed. So that's such uh, a good title. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, up. leave us reviews. Um, cause we appreciate it and it really helps us. So yeah. that's really nice of you. Oh, and also, uh, I am the guest host again this week on the horror show. And this week we are roasting one of my all time favorite Canadian television shows from the nineties. Are you afraid of the dark? Uh, if you are my age or in the vicinity of my age, you definitely watched that show. So you should go listen to it because we skewered the fuck out of it. And it's a great episode. And then I'll be back the following week to roast more Are You Afraid of the Dark? Cool. Because there was a lot to roast. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like I, poor Brendan had to watch it. <laughs> he He's like too old. He was too old for it when it was on. Right. So he didn't didn't even have the nostalgia factor to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So he was just like, this is garbage. I'm like, yeah, but it's my garbage. Right. I Watch grew up garbage. with it. Yeah. It was great. So yeah, go listen to the horror show this week cool. also. And I guess that's it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.